the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jared Davis is here. He's made his way into the studio. He's sitting right in, across from me here at the major table that we have in the studio with the microphones and looks kind of like radio place here. It does. And it's uh, it's cool to have him here. And uh, he, of course, is a spokesperson uh, for the governor. He, he's a spokesman, okay? He's a guy. Uh, you do identify as a male, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, just, to I'm, be clear, yeah, just, <laughs> I didn't know if there. Were, I mean, you brought it up, sure. so now I'm worried there's questions out there. But, no, uh, there, yeah. should, there should be no questions. I'm just. I I thought that that would be a good way to start it all off today because he did. He was a. What what sport did you play in college or, or in high school or college? Uh, high school, I played uh, football and soccer. Okay. Did you play anything in college? No, I didn't. Okay, all right. No. All right. So you did compete against the boys, correct? I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> Although, uh, I will say my, uh, I think it was my junior year of college, we played, or oh, college, look at me, uh, junior year of high school, you got me all. I got you all flustered, uh, I'm sorry. No, my junior year of high school, we played uh, uh, soccer against Eureka Springs, yeah. oh. and they had uh, they had one girl on their team. Oh really? Yeah, and I was a defensive back, and she was a forward, and so yeah, she was good, her. wasn't she? She was good. Yeah, yeah, she was really good, and it was my first year to play soccer, so I, I had been playing basketball uh-uh. and running track, so but I loved it. It was a blast, um, and I was fast enough to to play pretty quickly uh, on as a defensive player because you know you don't need a whole lot of uh, dribbling skills, um, but yeah, she was good. So what did she you think? Good. What did you think about this guy that? Uh, the head basketball coach of Arkansas got from California. Yeah, Conover. seven uh, foot yeah. three, so the tallest uh, Razorback in Razorback history. Wow, tallest player in Razorback history. Yeah, seven three. He's so. seven three. Did you see what he weighs though? No, less than two hundred. No, he weighs more. Oh, does, I don't know. Two, two well, that would be pretty bad. Yeah, two twenty five. In other words, if they paint red See, on I'm the not side really of him, he'll look like a big thermometer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. 225 <laughs> at 7. Yeah, that's that's pretty – he looks like a pretty skinny guy. But yeah. he was putting up some pretty good numbers at Cal towards the end of the year. Cal was horrible. Um, but I saw – I think he was putting up about 12 points a game and uh, like seven boards. So well, that's if he big. can get off the floor a little bit and can get some stuff off the glass, he'll be a valuable addition. He's also uh, a heck of a three-point shooter at 7'3". Really? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say he was knocking down 
I was looking at these statistics yesterday. I want to say somewhere between you know high thirties uh, uh, percentage of threes. Well, for sure, nobody can get in front of you. Well, I was about and, to say you can't block, block your if shot. You got a, if you got a guy that, that that shoots the three ball pretty well at seven three, there aren't a lot of people that are going to get in your uh, <laughs> uh, get in your uh, uh, your way as far as you know. Your, your, I guess when you shoot the ball, he's probably like eight, yeah, nine feet tall. So there's not a lot of people that are going to be able to block that shot or get in your vision, I guess. Now, so let me ask Zach about that. Zach, get the microphone. I'm putting him. Whoever you're talking to, put him on hold. Is that Russ? Put him on hold. Anyway, so that- seven three center. Coming to Arkansas. What do you think of this guy? Seven. Had, I had no idea. Yeah, the kid from California is transferring. Oh, okay. Seven foot three. And uh, we're just sitting here talking about it. And yeah. uh, JR is saying that he was averaging about 12 points a game at the end of the season. I'll yeah, have to look him up. Connor Vanover. And okay. he, went to, he went to Baptist prep. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's a, he's a Little Rock. I mean, he's an Arkansas native. I didn't know this. Yeah, and so he... Uh, so he left, and now he's he's back. And I'm telling you, if you can got, I mean, and the guy's athletic. That's mm-hmm. the other thing too. He's not just a a big guy. I mean, right. he's, he's athletic. He plays a lot. I mean, uh, from what I've seen, I, I just immediately think of um, like a Dirk Nowitzki uh, yeah. sort of guy. He can he can shoot. He's got a good shot, um, but can play inside. But he can rebound, and mm-hmm. that's key. That is key. Hey, that's what people you talk about. You you uh, you can win and lose a lot of games just uh, rebounding the ball. So second true. chance points, if or you, you can extend be a possessions man, for other teams. If you can yeah. be a trash man, you can get a lot of points inside. I'll tell you right now, if you can if you can average twelve and seven. They'll take it, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that's those are some good, those are some it's pretty good statistics. Kind of, and kind of cool. You know, SEC basketball is getting more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, you get a guy down. Uh, he's going to have to put some weight on. But when you uh, get a guy down low that can do that, it's impressive. And you know, not just that. Again, I talk about the three ball. But if you can, I mean, if you've got a seven three guy out there, and you don't know if he's going to drive it, or if, if yeah, they're going to take him down up. low, he can you know scoot out the backside uh, and shoot the three. I mean that that's a pretty deadly weapon. But well, that's have. a new age of basketball. Basketball, you have to be skilled all around. It's no longer the days where everything is basically stable. If you're playing power four, you're just inside, or if you're center, you're just playing inside. Today, if you're a power four to center, you know you can step out, shoot the three. It's a different ball game these oh, days. Oh yeah, and that's and you know especially if you look at the you got all these kids in college exactly uh, watching the NBA. Exactly. A guy's got Damian Lillard and. And Steph, Steph Curry, Curry and it's his, it's even his Seth Curry, his his brother yeah. over in Portland. I mean, you it's it's that's the that's the way that's the way basketball is being played now. You got to be able to step out yep. and shoot a three. I mean, you look at uh, Auburn's run to the Final Four this year. It was mm-hmm. it was you live and die by the three. That is uh, it. And nearly came back and beat Virginia because yep. they got hot from yeah. beyond the arc. So it's you got to be able to shoot the three, and uh, they're looks like they're getting a pretty good one. And well, this should be good. I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited because the last big guy we had. Was that kid from up in Northwest Arkansas? What was his name? Uh, played for Stephen Hill. Yeah, Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill. Wow. I think he was about seven one. He was, and uh, he actually played by in... by his senior year. He was acceptable on on the court. I mean, yeah. the first couple of years he played. It, yeah, like, but you remember he hit that game winning shot against Tennessee in the tournament. Yeah, and they ended up losing to Georgia in the finals. But right. uh, but yeah, Stephen Hill, and he actually played in Missouri. I think it was. Man, Poplar Bluff, I think, or something like that, is okay. where he where he played high school. Okay. Um, and so, um, yep. So he's a he's a. This is what the Razorbacks say. This is what Coach Musselman said. Connor has tremendous upside. He is an incredibly unique player. At seven three, he can stretch the floor offensively by shooting the three pointer 
and be a rim protecting shot blocker on the defensive end. So if you can have both of those things, yes, you can. That's yeah. not bad. That's is he not pretty? Bad. Is he pretty quick? Is he quick with his feet? Is he okay with his feet? Well, this is what it says here: it says he averaged seven and a half points and three rebounds during his freshman campaign at Cal last season. Played in twenty eight games. Uh, and started 15, but this is the, he said he came on strong at the end of the season, averaged 12.8 points and five rebounds over his final 10 games. All right, so, so he was learning. I mean, he was a freshman. There's a learning process that has yeah, to go Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but if you can, I mean, that's, you got to get used to the college level and uh, get in there and, and uh, yep. get comfortable. And obviously, I think the SEC is better than the Pac-12 is at this point. But yeah. he was playing against some tournament teams at the end there, USC, things like that. So, uh, I think USC was a tournament team, but anyway, get comfortable, and they'll certainly be able to utilize a seven-three guy who can shoot and That's is a little right. more athletic. As soon as he gets on campus, everybody will be able to see him. Yeah, <laughs> he will oh, no literally doubt. he will literally be head and shoulders yeah. over everybody. So, you know the the Razorback super fan, Kane and Sandy. Uh, I love that guy. He was he tweeted out a picture. Uh, when when Connor announced he's coming back, and you know, and Kanan's a shorter guy, and and Connor's seven three, so the picture's hysterical. But I mean, anybody will look like that. Uh, yeah. I was actually, I think, you know, Joe Klein, the old Razorback basketball player. Yep. If someone can make him look small, that's yeah. That is <laughs> I mean, true. just as far as height goes, that's that's pretty impressive. So I hope he fills out a little bit. Put him on the weights, baby. Well, you hope that for a lot of big men, you know, who's that size and who's actually steps out and shoot he's the basketball. Two twenty five right now. Two twenty five. He needs about. 20 more pounds yeah i think i, I think that we'll see that'll be the goal they'll get them in there they and you got to be able to uh, um withstand the you know the physicality uh, the physicality mm-hmm. and the sec stretch and 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 you know make sure that you know he's not going to get roughed up too bad down there so i bet they, they'll get him in that off-season program and right get him bulked up just a little bit because let's just face it if you want to go to the final four and have a shot you got to be able to play Big Ten ball. Well, and, but hey, listen, you know what? And another guy, another guy he reminds me of too is uh, what Kevin Durant, six eleven or something Ke- like yeah, that. Yeah, Kevin Durant, six eleven. Remember how skinny? I mean, he's oh, still skinny. He's but still remember when is. he was at Texas? Oh yeah, how skinny he was. Yeah, yeah. I saw I mean, him play. Did you really? I literally drove down to Austin to see that kid play. Really? Yeah. He's a tremendous ball yeah, player. Yeah, so you're talking, about, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's six eleven who could shoot the ball from anywhere, drive, play down low. That's essentially what you're getting in Connor because I think that he's the same kind of that he's 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 smaller as far as you know mm-hmm. uh, a skinnier guy yeah but so was KD and uh, and if he can if he's got the shot and he can get you know at seven three it's pretty easy to get separation so now, let's <laughs> see what his drop step looks like yeah I want to see be, what the drop step looks like. or he could be similar to Kristaps Porzingis a player like that yeah that's true mm-hmm. but yeah if he can get ten I, mean, I think even maybe you know when fifteen did he extra learn pounds a foreign start, language. <laughs> what? what was that guy's name again? Christoph Porzingis. Yeah, yeah. Where's he now? Foreign language, right? He, where he's from? You, no, where he got traded to Dallas. To Dallas, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay, and where's he from? I think Lithuania. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he got like assaulted while he was home. Uh, there were some fans in Lithuania that were not happy that he left New York, and yeah. uh, it, it created a bit of a scuffle. So that's the way it is. For I don't Eric. know who's going to pick on Christoph Porzingis. You have to be. I mean, it is again. I'm not talking about the guy's not necessarily like this big bulky dude. But no. can you match the 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 uh, the length oh, the length yes. there? I mean, he you don't even get four. close to him before he, he hits you in the face. Got you in the reach. He's got months. you in the reach by a couple feet. Yeah. Man. All right. JR is here. We'll get to politics when we come back. Uh, just before I came on the air, it was announced. Hold on. Let me bring this story up. And I'm going to ask uh, JR about this. And it was Charles Blake 
is stepping down as minority leader in the House. That's kind of a surprise. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis is here. Did you see this story about uh, Democrat uh, Charles Blake stepping down? I think he's been in, what, three terms, if I'm not mistaken, be going on the end of his third term. It's... um, He's the minority leader in the uh, the House of the state. And I think everybody got kind of caught flat-footed by this one. Yeah, I think there's been some, um, you know, there's been some rumors about some other opportunities that he may have. Um, but we did receive his uh, letter of resignation, which is how that works. They send that to the governor's office, letting him know. Um, so, Well, he works uh, close with Scott, doesn't he? He does, yeah. So I wonder if he's going to join his staff or something. We'll see. And in his letter, it says, you know, I've been uh, offered other opportunities to continue to serve the people of our great state in a different capacity, which he says I look forward to accepting. So that's about all he hinted at. But it's about three paragraphs, and and, uh, we received that today. And so the next step is – you know, special election uh, to fill that seat. So, and I haven't had a chance to to visit with the governor about, you know, how those next steps will look, but that's usually how that works. Is is he a – Hold a district in Little Rock? Is that what he does? Yeah, he has a – I forget exactly which district, but yes. He has okay. one of the house districts in Little Rock. All right. By the way, when does redistricting start? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, it's coming up, obviously, with the 2020 census. Uh, already, I think they're already – they've already started gathering all that information and that sort of stuff. So I'm not sure exactly when, when that's uh, – when that deadline so I, I'd probably come up in the fall then I would think I think so Maybe yeah I think that's when the fall yeah on. yeah I think that's when a lot of these things will happen I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's when it'll probably start now you'll start hearing more and more about that so first time the governor the attorney general and the secretary of state will all be Republicans that's correct that's kind of exciting that's pretty exciting have you heard the governor say whether he's going to get rid of the finger or not well, I mean, you got to remember back in 2010 when they they proposed the the uh, Fayetteville finger. Yes. I remember that whole. I mean, just trying to get up there, and you talk about gerrymandering. Uh, yes, point, going up there and saying, "Okay, let's grab the most uh, liberal part of the third district." Um, although I have a feeling that uh, you know, I, I don't know what Congressman Womack's thoughts are on that, but <laughs> at this point, they might just say, "Leave it the way it is." Yeah. So, but anyway, but I know they they uh, they pushed back on that so that didn't happen and and Fayetteville obviously still in the third district but you know it's uh uh I do think it's funny though that uh and and good we want to do this right and we want to do it uh the right way and and uh and be transparent in this process and and that's always been the governor's mo but I do think it's really funny just as an anecdote where you have a lot of democrats who are (laughs) crying foul and and saying we need to all come to the table and make sure we do this fairly and I'm like Uh well for about 138 years you guys were in control and no one screamed for uh, sort of fairness so sure yeah yeah how fair was it that they wouldn't even tell him when they were meeting yeah well there you go so anyway like I said that doesn't indicate anything that's going to happen but it's just really funny that all the uh, hand wringings going on about no, we, 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 it needs to be completely done differently, and, and we're tired of the way it's been done. I was like, well, you know, we've never actually done it. Yeah, <laughs> the, when it doesn't work I mean, so your it's way, just, right. now you want to change it. But it is funny. It's like, well, we've actually never done it. So it's, uh, you know, to, to start freaking out about it right now is just kind of laughable to me. But 
I hope they take a bunch of pictures because it, it, it's a historic moment. It is. Yeah. It really is. I, th- I think people need to realize it's real. This is really important. This could set the parameters for the Republican Party to keep the state red for a long time. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big responsibility, and uh, and I know that that's something that the governor doesn't take lightly. And and I mean, I can speak for I'm sure the Secretary of State and the Attorney General as well. So that'll be a uh, um, uh, something that they really uh, focus on, spend a lot of time on, and make sure it's done properly. By the way, did you see where the birth rate in America is the lowest it's been? For a long, long time. Seems like back to 82, maybe 86. Mm. And uh, California is going to lose two districts because of it. Wow. No, I hadn't seen that. And they think that it's because of, you know, uh, AOC and all of that saying, well, why would you want to have kids? I mean, the world's coming to an end in 12 years. Although she says she's just joshing. Yeah, somewhere, what is it, eight, between 8 and 12, 25? Yeah, she you know, says somewhere. 12, and then uh, Beto's saying 10. Uh, is there anybody out there to give me 8? <laughs> Do, <laughs> Do we hear an 8? Do we hear an 8? Yeah, saying. I mean, I think part of obviously is, you know, as as we move into, you know, as we, I say move in, we're right smack dab in the middle of 2019, in, but 2020 coming around, it's just more people, I think a lot of the millennial generation uh, is just, waiting longer and longer and longer to have kids and uh, and i think we've kind of seen that trend but you know uh, and it takes i think with this mobile society we have and and people are moving around and there's different experiences and um you know whether it's you're working for a time in dc or you're, you're moving around the country or maybe you're you're spending time traveling the world if you have that opportunity i just think that there's it, it, it there's not this sense of urgency as maybe there has been in the past um but i think we've seen that trend but that's pretty remarkable i didn't realize california was losing two districts yeah. because of it that's so. important yeah. even need to know birth rate's important you don't you need to replace yourself plus one. I've done better than that. There you go. I replaced myself plus seven. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, setting the bar high. Well, I Day just, I just, I'm just saying, you get if you want conservatism to to flourish, have a bunch of kids and bring them up conservative. I'm just telling you, yeah, way to do it. It's a good way of doing it. In fact, uh, we're going to take a break here in just a moment with Jr. We get more to talk. We're going to talk about broadband. We've been talking about it for quite some time. Stephen Meeks has been the impetus uh, for that uh, discussion with us. And we've talked about why we need to do it, but we've talked about a lot of the problems with trying to do it, Mm -hmm. especially when you get up into some of the mountainous areas, things of that nature. We'll talk about that. Uh, They took a a major step during the last session uh, to move towards broadband for the state. It's going to be expensive though it's gonna be expensive but uh the fcc is is repurposed some Mr. grants Pye, and, thank uh, you very much yeah and really uh figured out a way to start reaching rural america and you know the, the story in today's paper was that arkansas is is dead last uh as far as the states go in in you know complete state connectivity i think the average is somewhere around 90 and we're at 75 percent so um but we can certainly talk about uh, that uh, after the break, but there's some really cool stuff that we've been doing uh, that has sort of set the stage for this. Okay, and can we touch upon 
uh, tariffs again. Absolutely. Because the governor, not the governor, the uh, president has doubled down right. on tariffs. And it could be, but he's also said he's going to be helping the farming community by infusing uh, billions of more dollars yeah. again. Yeah, it's a... Uh, um it's an interesting time to go that route, which I, 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 I find I was a little surprised, actually. I mean, I figured it wasn't going away anytime soon, but I was surprised at, at how much um, and or how large the tariffs are. Twenty five percent. That's moving stiff. into an election year, re-election year. So it'll be interesting because I do think for the most part, farmers have, have stuck with the president and uh, um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Well, hang in there. The end is is coming soon. I'll talk about that as well. But right now, let's hear what they have on the the news. All right, back with you, J.R. Davis, my guest, the governor's spokesman. Let's talk about big story. It was on the front page of the paper today, dealing with broadband. This is a big deal. The uh, governor saying that he'd like to get the state wired and running by 2022. Yeah, that's not that far away. No, it's not. It's not. And and again, it's you know the governor looks at his uh, time in office. He really wants to make a uh, a foundational change to the state of Arkansas, especially from an economic development perspective. And we've talked about this before uh, at, at exhaustion on your show um, about just everything that he does is job focused. You know, from workforce, you know, even the work requirement with Medicaid, um, and we've had a lot of good results as a result of that. Um, but what we did in the first four years was really focused on connecting our schools because obviously one of the big, um, uh, uh, agenda items for the governor has been computer science from the get go. And so we want to make sure that we have the resources and the infrastructure within our schools for our students to learn and for our teachers to teach. And so that's something we've really concentrated hard on. Uh, and, and so, uh, and, and because of that, and it's sort of, to me, this is kind of a preview of what's to come for the rest of the state, but because of that education, superhighway, uh, an organization based out of uh, California, uh, their whole mission is to really connect all of the schools, uh, to high speed broadband, um, throughout the country. And they have honored Arkansas several times, uh, for what we've done. And we're the only state in the nation. I think this is really important to note that we're the only state in the nation where we have 98% connectivity with our schools and that we can actually uh, connect our schools to one megabit per second per student as far as the speed goes. And that's above and beyond what the FCC has uh, established as the threshold. It was 100 kilobits per second per student, um, and uh, we actually got it to 200 kilobits per second per student, so we went above and beyond that. But because of the infrastructure that was laid down, uh, we now have the capacity to go to one megabit. Wow. Uh, so it's a it's a, a national uh, leading endeavor that we took on uh, for the first four years. Now we're looking beyond the classroom, uh, and we really want to make sure that our rural areas in Arkansas are connected to uh, sort of the, that standard high-speed rate. Uh, so if you look at it... Um, Anything from, I think, 3 to 12 is the low end. Anything from 12 to 25 megabits per second uh, is the medium end, and anything above that is advanced. So we're looking at making 25 megabits per second, so the top tier at that, me- at that standard range, 
um, for every community in Arkansas above 500 residents. Uh, again, you know, you're going to talk about this in a little bit. I know you said you spoke with uh, Representative Meeks about this for a long time. Yeah, I have him back on probably sure. next week now that this came out. Yeah, and so what you know what you have to look at is you have a lot of these uh, telecommunications providers that obviously they're companies they're they're looking to make a profit uh, and have a good business model. So you have to look at it and say, okay, what makes sense for them to go in there um, and and put down the investment and what's the return on investment look like? So mm-hmm. um, are there are there uh, enough people around that are actually going to pay for that service once it's out there? That sort of thing. That's a lot of the stuff that they look at. But also, uh, part of it is the federal government. They repurposed some grants, um, and so like twenty billion dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And so, what we're we're trying to do is this this uh, particular um, state broadband plan uh, really uh, uh, has a pretty big effect on the grants. Uh, application from these telecommunication providers. So they get an additional 10 points just because our state actually has a plan. It's a 77-page plan. It really kind of goes through. uh, It's broken up into about 13 sections, and it really goes through, you know, what the goal is, where we are, how we get there. Um, And so the plan is four years. Within four years, we're going to have – the goal is to have every rural community – uh, at 500-plus employees connected to high-speed broadband at a rate of 25 megabits per second for downloading and 3 megabits per second for uploads. Um, and that will really be a, a tremendous accomplishment uh, when we can look back in 2022 and say it's finally done uh, and that, you know, we've always talked about with computer science education, we want our kids to know that you can do anything you want to do with technology and you can do it on your front porch from That's wherever right. you live. And this is a big part of that. So it's kind of phase two. Um, but it's very, very exciting, and it's fun for our entrepreneurs around the state. You know, not every great idea comes from Little Rock or Fayetteville mm-hmm. or Jonesboro. What a surprise! Yeah, and so I mean, exactly. But that—that's you have a lot of. Sometimes the biggest um, uh, obstacle is the lack of resources or lack of infrastructure. So we want every kid, in, you know, in, in Dumas, um, you know, to to West Memphis and and Helena, West Helena, or the eastern side of Arkansas. Some of the rural communities. We want, be, we want them to be able to know that hey. We're going to give you the resources and the infrastructure that you need in order to take your idea and make it successful. And so I think what you're going to see in Arkansas, we already we're already an incredible state for the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, have an idea, uh, we can you know really um, um, uh, foster uh, the entrepreneurism here in Arkansas. Yeah, give it a shot and, and give it a shot. And know that you're going to have a, an administration that backs you in that. We want to be supportive. We want to provide that environment that you can be successful. Right. But that infrastructure is a big key. So once these smaller rural communities have that access, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the fruits of that are going to be. And also, when you're looking at economic development and bringing companies in, that's how you revive places that are you know in rural communities in the Delta. You want to be able to have that infrastructure so a company can come in. Uh, they have that quality of life, and that's part of quality of life now in 2019. So we're really excited about it. Uh, it's a very workable plan. Uh, I think that's something we're certainly going to achieve. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, uh, but we hope that we've put the, the telecommunications providers in a position where they can go out and get that grant funding uh, that can help subsidize some of these very expensive efforts to lay these you know, fiber lines in some of these more rural communities. So I think it's going to be really, really good for the state. It's going to be really, really good for the economy. Uh, and it gives people access to something they, they haven't had, uh, and it's time they had it. No, it's going to let a lot of people I'm, – I look at it just from an agricultural type of a situation when you're Absolutely. looking at the Delta. Those farmers have products that if they start it 
getting onto the web and giving opportunities to people to buy it. Absolutely. They can make some money off of that, oh, a I, lot of money off of well, it. And, and not just that, but even some of the um, the tools that, that they need, you know, that, that they can. I mean, there's, there's uh, apps and things like that that you can basically – plan out a field, you know, and, and do it, you know, more through technology versus, uh, manually. And so, I mean, and that's, and obviously my background's not in, in farming, but, but the, it really allows farmers to take a, another look at technology and be able to use it in a way that they haven't before because they just haven't had that connectivity. Um, so I think this is really going to be a shot in the arm for our farmers and for our agricultural community. Um, and, and what we're seeing in the schools is great, but we want to take that beyond the classroom. And so that's really the focus here. And so what we've done has been great. We're leading the nation in computer science education. We're leading the nation in broadband connectivity in our schools. And now, once again, we want to step forward and say we can do this and we can be an example to the rest of rural America. So I think you'll see Arkansas start shooting up the charts on those rankings. And obviously, there's nowhere to go but up. Um, but we are a very rural state. We've got some tough geography. Um, but uh, I think what you're going to see is as this progresses and, you know, one community comes online, another one and another one, uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, it's interesting when I sit down and talk to Stephen Meeks because this guy knows what he speaks of. He is well-versed in this oh, yeah. stuff. Uh, and that's why it took so long at the end of the session when they were working on, everybody thought they were just working on uh, the 911 thing mm-hmm. across the state when it was a, kind of a mishmash of all kinds of stuff dealing with that, of course, because we want people to be able to reach first responders quickly. But yeah. it also dealt with broadband how to bring the costs of broadband down. And there's people that some people were not happy with the amount of money some other people were going to get. And they had, they had to hash all that stuff out and they got it done before the session was over. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, Senator Brianne Davis was, yeah, was she a, was in a on big it too. part of that um, as a freshman legislator. So uh, yeah, it was a big focus. And it's funny because a lot of things get uh, talked about during the session and there's some big ticket items and there's yeah. some controversial items. I call those the shiny objects, but sometimes you got to look through all that and see what's really happening. And, and that's why, you know, the governor's talked about how this is really one of the greatest sessions we've had as a state on a number of different levels, but you go on and on and then you forget and you're like, Oh yeah, what about what we did with broadband? You know, what about the 911 mm-hmm. system? You know, you go on and, and on and on and there's just a lot of really good work that was done by the legislature, uh, this session. And I think it really sets us up uh, to be even more successful on the economic development front uh, for the next several years. All right. Well, I'll, I'll promise everybody I'll get a hold of uh, Stephen Meeks and yeah, get a hold of uh, Brand Davis as well. See if maybe they can yeah. come on next Wednesday yep. and talk specifically about this stuff because there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. A lot of things going to change in the state. Everybody yeah. has to understand it. It will change the state, it, I think, for the better, but there will be some best way I like to say it, Ainers out there uh, that won't be too real happy with it sometimes because then you got to do business a little bit differently. Yeah, sure. It's going to open it up uh, the competition for sure. Yep. Um, but I will say this, though. I mean, we, we this 77-page report, uh, we – uh, there, there was a lot of feedback and, and a lot of assistance from uh, several stakeholders. And we're talking about the AT&Ts and the Comcast and the CenturyLink and uh, the University of Arkansas Agriculture Extension. And so, like, I mean, there, there's just so many groups that came in and said, hey, 
we know this is important. We got to come together. We got to figure out how we can do this. The governor's the one that really kind of uh, uh, started the call and said, "Hey, we've got to take this beyond the classroom. We're, we want to be the state that leads the nation in computer science, and we are. But, but that has to transition into jobs, and we have to be able to bring, you know, keep the talent here. And this is just sort of the foundation we're laying. And so it's a continuing uh, a continuance uh, in what we're already doing. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The state will never be the same once we get this up and running. And that's a good thing. I agree. I'm not I'm I'm not a Luddite, folks. I'm all about, uh, you know, getting a hold of uh, the latest technology and doing the best that we can with it. I remember this was 10 years ago when uh you had uh, these big clunky computers that they were putting yeah. in their tractors yeah. and stuff so they could measure how much uh, you know moisture was in the soil yep. and stuff like that. Well, now it's on their smartphone. Right. Yep. And everybody gets to use it now. Yeah. Only the, only the ones that had the capital to spend on that were able to do it. You're, now they're all doing it. You're exactly right. And what you just mentioned is, is a critical tool uh, for the agriculture community tools and uh but if you don't have that connectivity it it doesn't work leaves you in the cold so yeah yeah so we're that's what that's the goal uh and i think it's going to be a really worthwhile project it'll be expensive but obviously with some of the assistance from the fcc and repurposing some of those grants and in the position we put some of our providers in um i I think it's really going to be a a neat project and it'll be fun to see how arkansas transforms as a result of it all right we got to get a final break in then we'll come back finish up with jr davis we're going to talk tariffs when we come back and the farmers have taken it a little bit on the chin uh, the federal government's trying to give them a little bit of money to help take the sting out of it a little bit. But there's some places, because of the way the tariffs were and the way they are now, like the steel industry, over in the east side of the state, they're doing pretty doggone good over there, making some money. We'll talk about it when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, so on the tariff front, everybody thought these last meetings that went down in Beijing we're going to lead to a deal. Right. And they didn't. Right. Uh, the intellectual properties. Uh, Boy, did they not. It's not, <laughs> not doing well. Uh, but if you've been listening to it, reading between the lines of what the president has been saying, he believes that when the, the big Western nations get together in June, that China and America will have a big announcement to make. Well, I think I can speak on behalf of all of our farmers. They'd be happy They'd to see that. They'd be very happy to see that. And I think, too, like uh, from from a personal angle, I mean, you, you got to look at, at President Trump before he was president. He, he's never been truly a, a free market guy. And yeah. I, I mean, it's always he's you know, it's always been tariffs. And, and, yeah. and that's sort of a so you hope that is the end game like that because a free market is what we're all after. That's what and we you want. can't have a free market if only one one part of the team is working free market. I agree with you completely. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I hope that that's, that is still remains the case because I, I agree if this is, if this is a means to an end and the end is a free market trading, uh, uh, uh partnership, that's, that's where we need to be. And that makes sense. It's the most fair. That's where we, we want as conservatives, we want that free market. Yep. Um, but I can tell you right now, I know that there's there, the farmers, uh, are certainly sticking with the president. They have, um, but 
I, I can tell you that they're definitely going to be uh, looking forward to that agreement uh, that the that the president has alluded to because. I mean, in some cases, they're hurting. Now, you mentioned the steel industry. They're booming. It's doing yeah. great for, for and, Northeast and East Arkansas. And Arkansas State's doing good. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, too, you've got a lot of folks in the Delta and, oh, and rice farmers, bad. soybean farmers, and it's it's tough, and it's hurting. And I, heard so, that, I heard soybeans were down 17 cents yesterday. Yeah, and it's also not been the greatest of years as far as the weather goes. So it's yeah. – and so <laughs> That's they're, an they're get, Yeah, and they're getting – it's a double whammy. So we're – you know, and the governor is certainly understanding of that, and, and uh, he's he has had countless conversations and face-to-face meetings with the Trump administration, whether it's Lighthizer, the trade ambassador, uh, Secretary Purdue. Uh, with USDA and then, of course, the president himself. So, I mean, they understand what this means to Arkansas. And while one part of our state is thriving, and that's great, and we want that, and we're, we're he's you know he's he's fully supportive of that. We also have to understand that uh, we have a big uh, section of our agricultural uh, uh, economy that's that's suffering, and and our farmers are suffering. Um, so they're staying with them, and I think if this is the uh, means to an end, uh, and and we have a deal with China, awesome. That's a legacy builder for the for the president. Um, but we we certainly want to get there fast. So well, I agree with you. And June is kind of where where it's looking that it's yeah. heading. Yeah, and if that so can we'll happen, see what happens. Yeah, if that can happen, fantastic. Um, especially for our farmers. But I can tell you that the governor is monitoring this he's staying in touch with washington they certainly know where he stands on this right um and so you know the governor's been supportive wants to continue to be supportive uh but at the same time too uh, he's the governor of the state of arkansas and we want to make sure that our farmers you know and agriculture our largest industry uh, in the state is in a position to thrive uh, you can't help the weather sometimes but but tariffs certainly play a role yeah yeah they do i mean both sides it kind of gets down to which, how much pain can each t- side take before right. they yep. say uncle. Right. And to the president's credit, you said this during the break that, uh, you know, obviously he's he said, look, stay with me, farmers. We're going to infuse billions uh, into some aid for you to pick up where some of this is hurt. Um, and so that's great. And that's much needed. Um, but I can also tell you, too, that that last round that was infused was very helpful, but not nearly enough. And and I think that that's where some of the farmers saying, OK, we're, we're with you, we're with you, we're with you. But but at some point, you know, uh, the weather does come into play and, and it becomes yeah. a really difficult situation. And then so, it gets real tight. Yeah. But I agree. I think we've got some leverage. I think China doesn't want this uh, no. any more than our farmers do. And so we'll see uh, what happens. And, and again, hopefully for a quick resolution uh, in the summer. They got a lot more people to feed. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we happen to be the breadbasket oh, of the world. Man, I read an incredible story. Uh, uh, yeah, I know it was New York Times, but it was a <laughs> it was an incredible story about Clocks, China. A clock strikes correct twice a day, even <laughs> if it's it, broken. Well, it was a great after the first tariffs on the soybeans for yeah. China. It really talked about how China was was doing everything they could to say, okay, well, we don't need America's soybeans. We're mm-hmm. going to go somewhere else. We're going to we're going to uh, find another trading partner for this. And like, oh well, there's really n- not a good one. No. Okay, well now. Now we're going to say to all of our rice farmers that no more, you're planting all soybeans. I mean, they're doing everything they can, and they can't produce enough uh, for their population. And so that's where I think I've always said I think that that's the leverage for the United States. We we can do we we can we can work through the the uh, uh, you know the the discomfort uh, for a, a while longer than China. I think that there's uh, some serious. Um, issues uh, at play there if this goes on much longer for the Chinese people 
So again, so uh, there, there's that's that's the tables made. It's yeah. just hoping What's for your a pain quicker threshold? resolution. That's, that's yeah, what it, it gets and, down to that. It really yeah, does. Yeah, but then you got to think too, though. They've that, that pain threshold. You know, it's it's Plays both ways. They, well, but they but the farmers have been uh, they've been saying, okay, we can take yeah, a little more, but it's been it. a long time, and so they're ready for yeah. something to come to a resolution. So. Well, maybe what's what's that uh, firm that makes underwear and everything that has their uh, Duluth? Is that who it is? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just put on your Duluth uh, underwear and we'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> we'll you go. be fine. Yeah. Okay. With that in mind, last thing I, I, I wanted to to talk about is I just think the farmers look at that picture on the front page today in the paper of Cuba, and they've rationed. All that did you see all the stuff they're rationing mm-hmm. now? Yeah, because they're not getting anything from Venezuela anymore. Yep. Venezuela looks worse than Cuba yeah. looks. Just think at the market there. Oh man, hey, the getaway we 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 know that well. <laughs> uh, and when things kind of took a step back, but you remember after the governor's trip to Cuba, he was the first governor to go to Cuba when we reestablished uh, diplomatic relations. And I think we, as a result of that trip, we ended up selling forty five hundred tons of, of chicken. Of poultry, uh, and, and I think it was chicken and poultry. I don't quite remember, but I mean that—that's that's the opportunity. And yeah, yeah. our our farmers are, are licking their chops, and so I think anything we can do there, uh, that's a big market. And um, and so there's some good stuff in the works for sure. But like I said, that uh, uh that that clenched fist is getting a little tighter <laughs> every you. day. So. All right, we are out of time. Jr., thanks so much for coming in, Jr. Davis. He'll be back with us next Thursday as we move into uh, Memorial Day. Sounds good. All right. back with you second hour of a thursday show by the way uh if you missed the hour uh i just did with jr davis you can listen to it in its entirety maybe you came in at the 35 mark uh do me a favor and listen in to it because there's some good stuff that we talked about about broadband talking about tariffs and all the rest of the things and uh, it was very, very interesting, some of the information that was shared with us from the governor's office. So uh, good stuff to uh, to pay some attention to, to be honest. I've asked uh, Mark Johnson, state senator, to join us today. Uh, one of the big uh, bills that he had running that ended up going to interim study was one that I really wanted to see get made law. Because I just think if somebody has a, an elective office 
and they use that elective office to break the law, make themselves some extra money or whatever it might be, uh, and they're found guilty of of a uh, of a felony. Bottom line, uh, I think they need to be punished, and and just being told that they can't be in an office anymore is not enough for me. I I want them to pay and pay in a way that will hurt them. And uh, taking away their um, retirement, I thought, was a, a just a really good idea by you, Mark. And then uh, the the status quo fought against you. They really did. They fought against you. And uh, they got this in the interim study. And I was a little down in the mouth. And I think you were on like the day before we finished up covering the session. And you said during the show, you said, oh, this is not over. No, it's not over. This Dave. is not over, Dave. Don't, don't don't worry. We're not going to interim study to die. That's not why we're going. So where are you now? It's been well, how, how many weeks has it been now since the session ended? A well, couple months? It's been a month since we recessed. Okay. For, uh, uh, you know, we did a two-week recess and then came back and had a short session for Sonny Die. Right. Uh, Dave, just kind of roll back a little bit on this. I. I learned one thing this session is that retirement bills are a lot more complicated than other bills. Okay. Uh, They referred to the Joint Committee on Retirement, which meets once a week. Uh, They all require, all, 100% require a statement and a review by the actuaries for the various pension systems. And they don't move as quickly as many of us would like. Your understatement is noted. and, and a lot of it, you know, Dave, I don't feel like, and again, that's a good thing that they do that. Of course, if you're going to mess with that, you want actuaries to make sure it doesn't have adverse effects on, on pensions. But uh, they do their job. They say, yes, this could affect something or it couldn't. But, you know, we're talking about criminals here. We're talking about someone who committed a felony. It's not a misdemeanor. This is not a they made a mistake. This right, is right. this is this is malice aforethought type thing. This is wanton stuff. Yeah. And these are people who uh and again, it's not like if, if someone a very good citizen, public employee's always done a great job, exemplary public official, uh gets in a fight and kill someone and it's you know manslaughter it's a felony uh they wouldn't lose their pension over that because it's not related to their uh, their job their job right but it's it's when you basically uh use your position uh to in effect steal from the taxpayers it's it's corruption pushing a bill through and you help push a bill through that uh, because you did that Maybe you get inside knowledge about something to make money off of it. Exactly. Okay. And and as I think when before I, the session started, and I came on and talked to you about this, and I said that life is a series of incentives and disincentives. And this point, yeah, you put that sign. I up. did put it up yeah. there. And it, it's to uh, uh, this is to be a disincentive for being naughty. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to make light of it at all. I but, understand. Uh, uh, we hold, we should hold public officials to a higher standard than regular folks. Because, you know, we, we ask for these jobs. It's a trust. It's a situation where the, the taxpayers and the citizens trust us to do the right thing. And, you know, and we try to do the right thing. And we don't always get it right. But it's one thing to 
honestly disagree about this issue or that. It's another thing just to be a damn crook. And that's what we're really talking about are the damn crooks. And we've had too many of them lately. And this was my response. Now, the bureaucracy, as you mentioned, uh, everyone involved with the pension plans and they're all, you know, they have their own little silo they work in. And, and the, the big picture is not their job. That's our job. Uh, um, but uh, I, I really feel like they uh, it was it was just not handled properly, and and it, in fairness to the whole process, it didn't lend itself to be handled properly. And perhaps this is one of those cases where interim study is exactly what we need to have hearings to bring in more information without the pressure that and we have pressure believe me to get bills out of committee you have a a committee that meets at nine in the morning on monday and the a and b committees or in this case a committees are going to meet at 10 so you have an hour to cover all this stuff there's there's pressure to to flush it out one way or the other and and uh my bill was a was a victim of that now i take full responsibility for it because they're uh, I tried to compromise with the uh, people who wanted it. You know, the, the leadership came to me and said, we like your bill. We think it's a good bill. We're going to have an ethics package, and we'd like it to be part of it. We want to kind of bifurcate it, cut it into two parts, and our part will be about elected officials, and you can take your original bill and go do the other public officials. Mm-hmm. I said, that's fine. It makes sense to me. We, you know, as long as we look, we can look at them separately or together. It, it makes no difference to me, but, uh, a lot of this slowed the process down in 2020 hindsight. It, it was probably a mistake. I won't make that mistake again. And that's not a reflection on my colleagues who I thought were trying to raise the issue to a, a more visible level, probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've told people for years and years, that you know, being in the legislature, even before I was there, I said it's like drinking from a fire hose. And trust me, now that I've had a full session behind me, I haven't changed my opinion about it. It's like drinking from a fire hose. All right. Well, yeah, people need to understand that there's slow, there's turtle slow, and then there is glacial. And you ran into glacial. Well, there's there's also process slow, and then there's foot dragging. Okay. And sometimes, and, and I'll tell, this is no secret or anything, I'll tell people one of the tricks you do when you're trying to stop legislation is you say, oh, well, if you'll just amend it a little bit here, I've got something. If you could change it, you know, we wouldn't oppose it. Okay. Yeah, Bob, well, Bob Bellinger called that out on a bill that we had before state agencies when Trent Garner and the university was imposing free speech for public employees and and they came up with they try to chip away you know little cuts until they kill until they kill it you know what is that a thousand cuts death by a thousand right. cuts exactly and that's right. what and and, and Rob's yeah. seen this and he know, you know what I'm talking about yeah. but it, it's important to realize that except for the law of unintended consequences you know the session could be over in a month but and it's, these are good people hate. We like your bill. I know what you're trying to do, but there's this unintended consequence over here. Can you fix it? And, and my response to that is, yes, but <laughs> you get one bite at the apple. Maybe you even get two bites at the apple, but you don't get a third bite and a fourth. And you know, I do what did what you asked me to, and you still opposed it. So I should have just told you to go to hell and do it the way I wanted to yeah. in the first place. And and now. 
within those parameters, there's a lot of gray, and you have and and let's be honest, it's about getting 51 votes in the House yeah. and 18 votes in the Senate, and if you can't do that, you can't. Uh, accomplish what you want to do regardless of how much you compromise or how much you dig your heels in is there a time and i'm not speaking about this bill particularly it could be any bill that you really would like to see it get through and you know you're willing to compromise so you you better if you get elected if you run for office and get elected sure. you better be willing to compromise that's the art of compromise is very very important but if you know you're not going to get the votes best pull it down and try to get people to understand what you're trying to do and on a case-by-case basis yes the answer your question dave is yes uh and again it depends on uh again you, you, what are you trying to accomplish are you trying to raise awareness of the public on this issue mm-hmm. or are you trying to actually fix an issue that needs to have a legislative fix even if it's half a fix so you know, there's no single answer to that, but you're absolutely right. Those are the, the thoughts that you have to, and the, the measures that you have to subject anything you're trying to do to. Well, is, is, is half a bite of this okay, or is this thing worthless unless you get the whole thing? And I, uh, I think that the issue that, that Trent and you were talking about on that, Rob, is, would, would definitely fall into that. And, and uh, the, but again, that's one of those tricks. <clears throat> That they, they that the your opponents will use if they can slow you down, if they can uh, cause you to miss a window to get you know here we were. I actually I guess now that I've done it I can I can talk about it. But uh, I was very fortunate that I had a bill that uh, uh, I wanted to pass that would simplify the option, and it's strictly an option for Little Rock to change its form of government to mayor council form of government. Okay. And uh, I introduced this. I didn't ask at that time Mayor-elect Scott. Uh, I did tell him at one time, hey, I'm looking at doing this. And he didn't say, oh, I like that or no, I don't like that. He just acknowledged I was telling him about it. Uh, and all it would do is I'm, I'm against all these special elections. And I think you ought to be able to do that with one election, especially if two or three months before you elected a board and a mayor. You shouldn't have to, if you change the form of government, start all over again and elect a new mayor and a new city council. So that was the whole genesis of that bill. I filed it. Uh, when I actually got it passed, got it out of the Senate, then then the mayor did call me and said, uh, you know, I like the bill. It's okay, but could you change this one thing? And uh, it was pretty clear he would not have supported it with that in it and it was a it wasn't five percent of the bill uh and i said you know mayor i'm I'm for this but in a spirit of compromise and the fact that i think you you are generally trying to do the right thing yeah i'll take that out of the bill and i did and uh speaking of of compromise you've really compromised me now yes (laughs) Uh, but the 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 door open to the alleyway again that's uh we're, we're, we should share with your listeners. Representative Mark Lowry just yes. walked in, so we. Uh, you on who is my best friend, and and we share things. But you know, I'm not going to speak for him. I'm going to let him explain his own thing. Yeah. But, but anyway, I I told the mayor I would change it. Uh, I I had the bill amended uh, in the house. Uh, the house passed it as amended the last day we were there, April. I guess it was the twelfth, a tenth, April tenth. And I did something which I didn't realize was unprecedented, at least in modern history. Uh, I brought it up 
in our shiny die session when we came back for the one day and uh, moved that we suspend the rules and concur in the amendment. And mm-hmm. uh, we did. And I thought, okay, that's fine. And then I was told by uh, legislative staff that they can't remember that ever being done before. So uh, I, that was kind of fun. To, did you get to, a gold star? No, I didn't get anything. Uh, but, I did, but I did get my bill passed. <laughs> and that, that's kind of a... See, if I'd known that it was unprecedented, I probably wouldn't have tried. Okay, so before I go to the first break, Mm -hmm. and by the way, Robert Steinbach is here. Let me just say this. He's a law professor over at... the Bowen School of Law. And let me guess, he only speaks for himself. That's exactly. I've heard good. this before. Yes, and his opinion are his <laughs> oh, and his alone, right. and not necessarily those Bowen School of Law Although or UALR. Although maybe those of a few other people in Arkansas. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So with, with that said, so what is going now that you're in interim study? Yes, sir. Has anything at all Has happened? not been a meeting on that issue yet. It, okay. will, it will go to the – it has been approved by the joint – interim committee on public retirement they they accepted it as something to study okay and other than that nothing has been scheduled we'll, we'll you, let you do, know when do that you comes still up. feel confident that you'll be able to get this looked at and voted on perhaps in the next uh, session i'm very confident on this one matter of fact dave i'm i was still a little shocked that we had the problems we had when I introduced this bill, I thought it was a no-brainer. Well, I thought it was a slam dunk. Robert thought it was a slam dunk. Senator Stubblefield had a similar bill. Uh, represent or Senator uh, Ingram had a similar bill, uh, and there may have been a couple of others. Representative Lowry was co-sponsor on my bill. Uh, Representative Grant Hodges was uh, co and he's on retirement committee. Right. He was a co-sponsor, and, and he's going to be there when we have the interim study come up. So it's. I feel like that there's public support for this issue, and most people think. I think most people support it because they feel the same way I do. When you do some of the things that we have seen done over the last couple of years, exactly, those people need to be punished. And we can't make them do a perk walk down the steps of the Capitol or something and give but, people cabbages and tomatoes. But, Dave, you've, you'd be shocked the response I get. I actually had people say, well, you know, this could hurt their families. And I thought there are people down at Cummins and Tucker right now. That it have hurts the, their families. They have the exact same yeah. excuse. And so why should an elected official's family get a pass when other people who were transgressors gets gets a pass? All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, State Representative Mark Lowry's here. He's here a little early. He's going to be with us in the next hour, along with uh, State Representative Dan Sullivan, and we are going to deconstruct the 2019 general session. Because we've done it with a couple senators. Now I want to do it with the House because the House and the, the Senate think totally different. And we'll talk about that, too, when we uh, get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. We're gonna, I want to finish up talking uh, with uh, uh, with the Senator uh, Johnson about uh, this uh, bill that would put some teeth, I believe, into taking care of people who break the law in a felony type way and doing their job. Can, can I say one word on this, David? Yeah. Because uh, Mark brings up the exact right point, which is people who aren't paying attention or are getting whispered in the ear by some entrenched bureaucrat uh, are being told, listen, don't do this. It's going to create problems or it's unconstitutional. All these constitutional lawyers, you know, and I'm here to tell you and your audience it's Shinola. 
Okay, this bill is 100% legal and constitutional, and we should have gotten it done already. Yep, and I I'm looking forward that. to getting it done in the in the fiscal session. And I'm tired. I'm tired of uh, the Republicans not being able to get more done. Mark Johnson has an outstanding bill, and his fellow Republicans, 75% Republican legislature, are either foot-dragging or captured by the bureaucrats. And I'm just tired of it. Well, thank you, Rob. And, I, and I get, let me add I another have said that better, that. by the way. The, the, the fact that the actuary was at least leaving it open that this was possibly not unconstitutional, but it would violate some of the IRS rules. And, of course, that scares everyone when you say IRS. But something like 20, 22 states have similar laws. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it needs to be tweaked to follow the, the process that they have in those in – those, uh, I mean, I, I pulled the bill way back from – I started out that, no, the governor couldn't pardon you. No, you didn't get what you paid into the system back and all that. And, and some very smart lawyers, by the way, said, oh, Mark, you can't do that. It's their money. That's, that's, there's case law on that. You, you have, they're able to recover what they paid into the money. system. And, no, you can't – that's constitutional. The governor can pardon someone. But – uh, once we dealt with all those things, uh, I, I felt it was a good bill. I felt that these other states were following the law, and we would follow the same law, and that we could put that disincentive in place if we had the uh, uh, cojones to do so. And yeah. uh, I, I have to tell you, when I went in that committee the last time, I did not get a motion. I didn't even have a motion to get the bill. Well, I've, listen, I've talked about this. I gave Mark off the air grief about not getting a motion on Hammer's bill. But I don't know why Republicans are not giving other Republicans motions or seconds on bills. Unless the bill is, is offensive, every bill should get a motion in a second. I want to vote in committee on every Republican-sponsored bill. That's how a public is supposed to run a legislature. And that's not how we ran this last legislature. In Indiana, Amen. where I was at uh, for many years, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, but, you know, covering it from a news perspective and as a talk show host, I can tell you this much, that they went ahead and, and they did that. And one law that they changed that I keep pleading to have happen here is that no voice votes. Everybody has to be written down how they voted. That will change a lot of things immediately. 100%. Although, who's the head of the judiciary over in the House? Uh, Representative Dalby. Yeah, Carol she Dalby. doesn't believe that. She well, and I got into it. Well, got, you know, David, it's an it. interesting yeah. point, and I've but had this hold argument. Your thought. Hold yeah. your thought. Okay. We'll come back. We've got to get to the news. Oh, sorry. Back here at studios of uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, in the studio with us today, uh, State Senator uh, Johnson is here, State Senator Mark Johnson, State uh, Representative Mark Lowry, and uh, legal professor extraordinaire uh, Robert Steinbaum. Just tagging along. Yeah, just tagging along. When, can I call you Obi-Wan Kenobi, you can, too? You can call me anything you want as long as you give me a sandwich with it. <laughs> How about a fresh cup of coffee? That'll work. I get coffee coming up. It's it's brewing now. I'm I'm the number one coffee maker around here because I drink 
tons of coffee. Uh-huh. What can I say? Well, you're a gender nonconformist as well, so we know that. Yeah, let's make sure that everybody <laughs> understands what you just said. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to try. I, I'm not going to try. I will let everybody know that I will have a new bumper sticker coming out this year. <laughs> the last one that I did was to build the wall uh, when Bush was president. Uh, hopefully, before the end of summer, I'll have a new one out that says, Confused, check your junk. And it's to get into the whole gender thing that's going on right now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Let's change uh, the topic because yes, something happened on my Tuesday show that just blew me away. I mean, it's like the roof of my show blew off. It was amazing. Uh, and it, it deal, deals with the Mathematic and Science School down in Hot Springs. Now, did I get it right? Is it math Arkansas first? Arkansas School for Mathematics, Sciences, and the Arts. And the Arts, okay, is in there, of course. Which the may be part of the problem. Yeah, it could be. Uh, but the bottom line, uh, there is a lot of people at a meeting that were really, really, really upset. Now, I found out part of something that happened during that meeting. Uh, everybody reacted to... And I I found that there's a question about whether it's legitimate or not. So I won't even get into what one student said at the at that meeting. Uh, with that said, though, there was a lot of other things that were brought up that I just I'll, I'll be honest. I was just staring at my microphone as parents were telling me some of the horror stories that I was hearing from there. Now I've heard other stories of. If you look in the student handbook, and uh, Robert, I'm glad that we passed the freedom of speech uh, bill that was passed yeah, but Dave, that's over there at the bill. at the yeah. at uh, the state house and yeah. or the Capitol with yeah. the state house and the state uh, senate. Because to be honest with you, it sounds it looks like to me that they're telling they're telling students. They don't have freedom of speech at that school. Am I wrong? That, We're going to have to look into that. That's that, that, inconsistent that with the bill. I, I, I don't have a law degree, but Counselor, I believe the First Amendment kind of applies everywhere, doesn't but, it? It's supposed know, to. Well, exactly. You know, these free speech zones, my response to that is I thought United States of America is a free speech zone. But That's I'll tell right. you this. Uh, the, the university came to testify on that other bill that I mentioned, the one regarding free speech for government employees in general, uh, and they highlighted – what is in fact correct they got the law correct you know that the first amendment is not terribly broad and we in arkansas need to pass statutes that give greater rights to public employees to students and we started down that path with the dave ellswick free speech on campus bill and it's interesting i don't know what's going on there at the math school we'll have to check that with the bill that we with the, with the act that we ha- have now passed, the Ellswick Act, uh, to see whether they're acting inconsistently with it. But the problem is that government entities, particularly universities relative to students, can put certain restrictions on their speech. And that's why we need to say, hey, that's just the floor. We can raise the bar. Let Arkansas be ahead of the curve. Let's raise the bar. Let's not be threatened when a student or a faculty member, like some big mouth conservative Republican who comes on the Dave Ellswick show all the time, <laughs> has something to say and some bureau hack doesn't like it. Yeah. That's what we need to do. So it will be interesting to see if the, what they're doing now. Some of the things that are, and I, I got to get a copy of the student handbook. 
But if what has been read to me over the phone is actually in there, and that somebody's not in in the way that they said it, it sounds like a student handbook. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is it's got to be changed, and it's got to be changed majorly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Dave and, and Mark, jump in here if you've got want to add something on it. With the, with the legislature now approves quote unquote rules. Uh, and this may be the kind of thing that we need because this is a state-operated school. Yeah. It's not a local school district thing. Uh, and it's not under the Department of Education. It's under the University of Arkansas system. So it, it's kind of a hybrid in that regard. Even though these are high school students, their uh, school board, if you want to say, would be the, the board of trustees of the University of Arkansas. So these whole lines of, of authority we may need to take a look at. Some of the things have come out, and I've listened to most of your show that day, and, and uh, I know that, that Mark's been also studying this issue. Well, I've heard from several different legislatures, uh, legislators, and they said that you all had been looking into this. Probably am, am others I correct? that have been looking at it for some time. I okay. spoke with uh, several of my colleagues today that filled me in on some things that kind of some of them made the hair on the back of my head stand out a little bit and i have less and less of that so that's a big deal yeah it is but uh uh, the fact is that uh, there's some things that were alleged that we really need to take a look into on the other hand there are some things that we know we know that a student alleged that he was sexually assaulted and i agree with point you brought up and that uh, I believe that, that Mark mentioned it and Rob mentioned it. Uh, I believe that. No, mandated- actually, I haven't mentioned it. I don't think no. anyone's heard my voice yet. No. But, uh, well, you got the whole next hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you shouldn't have invited me to come in early. Well, <laughs> well, I was trying to save gas. I thought maybe we could carpool. Well, but my point being that, that on that point, if the person, if the staff or whoever is not a mandated reporter, then as a legislator, I believe they should be, and we need to extend that uh, requirement to them. Because once again, if it happened in, at Little Rock Central High School or Hall High right outside your window here or whatever, mm-hmm. I know the, the faculty there would be mandated reporters. Yes, absolutely. And, and if I don't care what a great job the, uh, uh, the faculty and staff University of Arkansas uh, General Counsel did, and even they were trying to do the right thing. If the law doesn't require that to be uh, at least contact the police about it, then we need to change the law. Right. Period. And so, that really is, Dave. That that really is the critical issue here in in several of the incidents that have been reported is this issue of mandated reporting. Um, the and I'm sure when you said that you weren't going to get into a lot of uh, one allegation, but I'll just touch on the student. It's public knowledge because he testified in an open uh, open hearing that he'd been sexually assaulted. Whether there are other uh, nuances to that, the truth is that when a student makes that allegation, the school is a mandated reporter not to investigate themselves but to turn it over to law enforcement. Well, and what I had understood is that he had told somebody of the staff and nothing happened. That's right. That's exactly right. At but least I've, not with the police, maybe internally, but not. But as, that's not was, that's the not, way it's supposed that's to work. But I've received an email, I've or I've been, received uh, information from the U of A system that 
uh, it was reported, it was investigated by staff. And I said, well, that's the wrong people who do that's be investigating good it. good enough. And the issue, uh, there's also, an, was uh, it was brought up to me that uh, stu- a student or students were uh, taken off campus after hours. Uh, I'd been told drug tested. Uh, the U of A legal counsel, uh, or actually Corey Alderdice answers back, oh, no, uh, and they were they were doing this nuance game. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we have drug testing done at the school. The students and family, parents sign off on it as part of their student handbook. Well, I'm in receipt of a letter where the student says that he was taken off campus at 11 p.m. to show them where drugs are hidden off the campus that students can get. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's drug testing or whether it's showing you where the drugs are hidden. That is a violation to take the student off campus. Uh, he was out there from uh, pulled from his room from 10.30 p.m., didn't get back to his room until 3 a.m. His phone had been taken away from him, so he could not call his parents to let them know that's what was a, going that's on. That's unbelievable. That, you know, yeah, yeah, but wait, let me just stop ahead, on that. Go ahead. You say you couldn't call, you didn't call, let it, they didn't let him call his parents. They tried to pass a, a bill this year, I think it was Clowney, if I'm not mistaken, that the parents have to be present now when the police question a, a, a minor, minor, and it didn't get out of committee. That's what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. I I don't understand why this legislature can't pass these types of comments. That one may not have passed just because it was run by a Democrat. I had her on even though she was a Democrat because it's a good bill. Guess what? I'll let it in. What about that other one from uh, from one of the – aren't there like two flowers in, in the yeah, house? Yeah, Vivian right? Flowers, right. state right. representative. Right, Vivian. And, and she had a good bill that passed, right, that was on the About, the about recording, recording public, public meetings. meetings. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, bill. Yes, not, it was. I'm not against Democrats. I just think generally they've got the wrong ideas. But when they stumble on the right idea, like a blind boar finding a truffle, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, and the truth is that, uh, about the the political issue there is that Democrats were trying to make a point uh, in many cases of sponsoring legislation and not asking Republicans to be on the legislation with them. Nah, okay. But it didn't go the other way around. I ran a bill that protects college journalists Good for you. In, in doing their Good job. And That's I an went issue. to, I I went to Democrats and asked them, would you like to co-sponsor this with me? Uh, we had already passed it 27 to nothing in the House. Right. I didn't need for them to co-sponsor to pass the bill by that margin. But before mm-hmm. it went to the Senate, I said, listen, I'll sponsor, uh, put you and on as co-sponsor. And, and they said, great. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of that. Good for you. So it's a strategic error on their part. And I, and I think it's a purposefully strategic error. They want to put legislation out there that is going to put Republicans in a corner okay, uh, and, and give them talking points for the next election cycle. Uh, well, it depends so. what, like, it, look, if it's a bad issue, it's a bad issue. But if it's a good issue and they want to play politics by not joining, I'll vote for it anyway. It's easy for me to say it as yeah. an unelected official, right? But the, you, you take my point is that uh, they want to play politics. They're 25% minority. And, and now we've got to sort of get the Republican House in order because uh, 
we graded it. Mark, you're staying around for the next session. We graded with the senators last time. We gave the legislature a B minus. Not terrible. Not terrible. But I can count on one hand the number of times I got a B minus. But I'll tell you. What grade did I give when we were at our lunch meeting? What did I say? I said B minus. There you go. So So we're on the same way. I'll tell you what got the lowest grade. Yeah. Economics. That was from the the, D minus. The conduit folks. Tax policy. Yes. D minus. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and but I, I think that's just and, and I gave a low grade to guns, uh, yeah. because we couldn't even pass stand your ground. Thirty three states have it, and let me tell you, this is how politics works. Uh, what's Cooper's first name? I forget. John. John, John Cooper's not going to be a senator next term. No, he's not. John Cooper's out, and and Dan Sullivan's in, and you heard me say it on this show for the last two weeks, and I will be campaigning for Dan Sullivan, and that and a nickel might not get you a cup of coffee, but Dan Sullivan's going to win nonetheless. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Back back, in a moment. Cut back on this coffee. (laughs) Okay, so let me just ask this question from uh, both of you. This whole thing that's going on in Hot Springs with the school, the math and science and arts special school. By the way, let me say as strongly as I can, it's a great school academically. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. It's all the crap that the left does around a lot of stuff. And that's what's going on at that school. Uh, As we're probably speaking here, it's still going on. But has this been, is this like being investigated amongst legislators as we speak? Uh, Yes, there, there are discussions about what would be the appropriate committee to investigate this, I have recommended um, that the Joint Performance Review Committee uh, look into it for several well, that's reasons. That's great. Hammer and Alan Clark are both on that committee. Yeah, and uh, J- Jimmy Hickey and, and Jimmy Gasaway are right. the chairs. Be good. To- and, I, and I've already spoken with Jimmy Gasaway about it. Um, you know, one of the uh, main reasons, JPR, uh, of course, all the committees really have some level of ability to issue subpoenas if necessary. But JPR is the only one that really swears in witnesses. And I think it's going to be necessary good. in this case, exactly. maybe for subpoenas and swearing in. Right. And uh, so I've, uh, as the past JPR chair, I've been advising Jimmy on uh, how for us to proceed on some of those things. But there's a, uh, there's numerous issues. There's education issues. There's juvenile justice issues. Mm-hmm. There's mandated reporter issues. Yeah. Uh, all of those things, I think, are best served by having JPR uh, look, in, look into the issue rather than just education. Okay. I, I agree. I, something, some people got to get reined in there. And who's the head of that place down there? Of, of what place? Of, of uh, the school. Uh, Corey Alderdice. Yeah, he needs the, to be replaced. Uh, headmaster. I don't know what they call him. But yeah, he needs to be replaced. Director. He needs to be out. You, you like know what I think? Today. The, you know what I think the legislature needs to consider more as well. And actually, I'm not talking in this instance uh, about uh, you know University of Arkansas. Um, I'm talking more generally um, that the legislature in the upcoming fiscal session spends money. And guess what? Budgets can get held up. I don't want to hold up UA budget. That's my paycheck. But budgets can get held up. And that's your leverage. And too often, the tail is wagging the dog, and the legislators will make a bunch of noise. They'll fail to pass a substantive bill, and they'll forget about the the finances. 
somebody's not doing what you want to get done, then you hold up those finances. I think we've all three held up. I'm looking up. We've done that at yeah. one time or another. Yeah. Yeah. Off, to yeah. the, off to the side, just outside the range of the studio, uh, State Representative Dan Sullivan is uh, standing right now. And Dan, come on over. Just, I just wanted to ask you a question. We've been talking about the school in Hot Springs, the uh, mathematics, science, and art school. There's a lot of spurious stuff going on down there. And uh, evidently, you all, I know that Mark says he's heard. Mark says he's heard because we have two Marks there. Johnson and, then, and then we got Dan, Dan uh, sent, you know, hit here right now. That this is not a secret, and people are, and red and and legislators now are getting a little tight jawed about this. As far as it, what's the easy best way to say this, upsets them. Well, you know, I think probably the student body is not much different than any student body in any public school. Mm-hmm. The big difference is, and I'm kind of new to this situation, is that they are residential and they are on campus there. But Robert's exactly right. Our power is the power of the purse. And if we have to, we can make all the committee hearings we want. And I've heard it may come up with joint performance review or another committee to discuss it. But we can have all those committee meetings. But the bottom line is uh, holding the financing up for that. So I don't know how quickly that can happen. Maybe not to the fiscal session. But I guarantee you there'll be some strong conversations happening if this isn't resolved before that time. But as far as the students go, you know, I don't think those students there are much different than students across a couple of many of our schools, especially in public education. Except that some of them are very, very smart. Well, and, but, mean, and, very, got some smart, and their parents got, aren't around. Yeah, yeah. We've got some very, very smart kids oh, in our I public agree. schools. Sure, I, I but their parents agree. are at home when parents they come home. Parents are at home. Yeah. It's a residential. This, and that, that residential element, uh, right. well, that I, makes a difference. we all remember when we got away from our parents and we were teenagers, we weren't quite the same people. And uh, there's, these kids are no different. It, there's just less constraint. And, and, you know, it's how long is the leash? Yeah, and how long is the whip? <laughs> well, we had one of those in the old days. I don't yeah. know if we have that anymore. Yeah, can't can't do it a lot of the ways that you want to do. But yeah, I'll talk. I'll, I'll we can discuss this off air and and things. But there's a there's a lot of stuff. going It's not on. going away, Dave. No, and and in the last actually the last few hours, I've I've spoken to some of my colleagues and some other officials, and it's. It's galvanized that thought in my mind. This is not going away. We've got uh, – and, and it may all turn out that a lot of the things we were concerned about are not as bad as we feared, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm confident it's going to be looked at very, very carefully. All right. Well, I want to tell you thank you very much for coming on today. My pleasure, Doug. And uh, come I'll, back as soon as an interim committee. You're hearing more about I'll, your bill. I'll text you and let – you know when that's going to happen, and uh, that's an important piece that. of legislation. Oh, we got to get it passed. We got to get it passed. It's not even yeah. a, an issue here. Yeah, and maybe twenty twenty one, but we'll get it passed. Absolutely. And we yeah. got and we got to get that piece passed that uh, protects teachers. I got to stat. You know when they're not at school yeah, and they're, they're, they're on free, their Facebook that's page not only teachers, that they can post employees. whatever they damn yeah. well please. Yeah. I just think that that that's america folks that's america that's what america is all about all right let's take a break we'll come back and uh we'll have mark lauer we have dan sullivan i'm going to put uh, uh robert between them and then we're going to grade 
the last uh, general session. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Come back. We're back. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to the f- folks in today. Last week, you'll remember, we had State Senator Hammer, State Senator Ballinger, and then Robert and myself, and we all sat here and kind of hashed out what we thought went right and what we thought went wrong in the, the last session. Now, we're going to do this again. And we brought in State Representative Lowry, and State Representative uh, Sullivan, and we're going to talk from the House side because one thing you'll learn if if you if you got to sit in my seat and was covering the session, what you would hear from the House side many times is like ninety to one hundred and twenty degrees different than what the senators are saying, and you know the Senate. They've got that kind of hoity-toity kind of talk where they think that they're the more deliberative body. I mean, it's not just in federal offices that they feel that way. They feel that way here uh, in Arkansas as well. But let me tell you what. I saw a lot of deliberative people from the House side this year. I mean, really deliberative people. And uh, I thought that the House side of this year's uh, session had the bigger cojones. They were willing to get out there and stand on principle, and that's that. I've seen, I've gotten tired of not watching it because I've 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 covered the session when there was only five Republicans in the whole place, and uh, I've been there now that you know super majorities of Republicans are there, and they're some of them are willing to to try to legislate as though the Democrats are still holding the whip over them. I was going to say, is there any difference when there was five? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't any difference on some things. And that's something that's just got to change. And I I don't know how to help that. You know, I've done everything I can since I've come to this state for people to understand about free markets and and being able to go out and get the job that you want without the government telling you you got to have a a frickin' license to be able to do it and all the other things that go on in this state. And we've made some some headway, but I thought we would make much more headway in this last time with the Republican thoughts, principles, and in our political ideology. Any any thoughts on your all's part why that didn't happen? Well, I was I was at a luncheon today of uh, conservatives uh, for different organizations, and um, the party chair Doyle Webb was there. And I told the group that um, that I have spoken to two different two different Republican groups and told them since the end of the session and told them uh, that I fear that the biggest challenge to, uh, to our to be able to maintain actually the biggest challenge to consolidating our power as a majority Republican House and Senate are Republicans. Agreed. That's the big – and so uh, Chairman Webb said to me as I, I left the lunch, and he said – now, he didn't know that I was going to be on the radio show. He said, take it easy on your fellow Republicans. I said, if you'll start getting rid of some of them <laughs> who say they're Republicans. Because we were, we were having a general conversation sure. about how when you go through this transition – you have uh, a lot of uh, longtime Democrats 
uh, that does, that finally decided to become Republicans, and a lot of them were truly conservative. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you if you will pledge to me that you will do what you can to make sure that we out the Republicans that are amongst us mm-hmm. who are not acting like Republicans, right? They're not acting like conservatives. If they're not standing up for our um, our planks, if they're not standing up for that, then why can't Doyle call them out? Well, I'm calling one of them out. Uh, yeah, Senator Cooper right, and run against them. Rightly so. Because Senator Cooper in District 21 in Jonesboro made a lot of promises. And I showed you some of the flyers that he sent out. Well, believe me, I remember that race. <laughs> and he just has not kept the promises. And, you know, when you get to Little Rock, one of the first things that is uh, you learn is that you can stay in Little Rock as long as you want, as long as you do what you're told. And it's time for the voters to change that. And for the voters to say, you can stay as long as you want in Little Rock, as long as you do what we, the voters, say you can do. Because when people go down there, and Senator Cooper is a great example, that gave his word uh, he would change ethics. He's not done. He's voted against two of the three of the biggest ethics reform bills we had, Brian King's and Linda Collins. He voted against those. He's raised taxes at every opportunity. He killed the Stand Your Ground bill. Was the vote that killed that? Mm-hmm. Now the voters in committee in committee, and the voters need to step up and hold legislators accountable. Doyle can certainly do his part. But it's up to the voters to be active. Uh, And, you know, the other thing I'll mention is that these Senate races, more than the House races, what happens in the Senate affects everybody in the state. That's correct. And, you know, just because you're running as a senator in Jonesboro, in my case, you know, we need the help of everybody in the state to effectively recall senators who aren't and House members who are not following in up on what their promises are to the people. Dave, you know, one thing that you said a while ago, and I, uh, I'll just have to push back a little bit, and I appreciate you saying that the House really had showed the most grit and cojones, I as you, you said. Guys, I thought you guys but I did. But I can think of two specific bills where the Senate stepped up and the House didn't, one of them being the bill that Senator Johnson and I co-sponsored on protecting monuments. Okay. The state Senate passed it. The House defeated it, and it was re- were Republicans that defeated it in committee. The other was the uh, the voucher program, the cap- Capital Promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew Dan and I serve on Education Committee. We knew from day one when the committee an- uh, assignments were named that there were no more than eight members of a twenty member committee who were school choice advocates. And we, so we knew it was going to be a long session. Um, the one thing that we did not do, and, it, and the numbers are different on rules, the Senate, if a bill gets stuck in committee, by, by a simple majority, the full Senate can actually pull a bill from committee. In the House, it's a two-thirds. That would have been too high. Now, if we had a simple majority, it's very possible we could have, if the rules said simple majority, we could have built it. Yeah, re- it. reached in and pulled yeah, it out. Yeah, but the Senate uh, on those two issues, and I'm just aware of them because I'm so was so personally invested in both of them, especially the uh, the school choice bill. I mean, we're talking about uh, underprivileged kids yeah. in Pulaski County, giving but them opportunity. Can't let the camel's nose under uh, the tent. I, I thought and, the know, left is pro-choice. 
But, but not, not that kind of pro-choice. Not that kind not of choice. Not pro-choice when it comes to schools. Not pro-choice when it comes to the right uh, to carry a firearm under the Second Amendment and the state version thereof. The only pro-choice they are seems to be regarding abortion. The same thing when they say that they're the, the party of science and we're the party of, uh, of flat earthers. Yeah, we're the flat earthers. Right, and they're the ones that say there's no such thing as man or woman. They don't know what it is. They've never met a man or a woman. They've met just a bunch of people, a bunch of eunuchs. They're all identical. So, yeah. like, you know, let's get over this nonsense. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I want to hope, I hope we can kind of change the perspective of the voter. If we're talking about the voters being the ones responsible, we need our voters to start thinking about educational freedom. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily school choice. It's then educational freedom. you just start freedom. thinking about freedom, period. Can, can freedom. Dan Sullivan was one of the leaders on educational freedom in this last session. That ain't no joke. Dan Sullivan was an original co-sponsor of the Dave Ellswick Free Speech on Campus Bill. That wasn't by accident. And so, you know, when Dan runs against... Uh, Cooper, I always forget, John, right? When Dan runs against John Cooper. Think think about when you want to get rid of stuff. Where do you go? Go to the job. All right, that's the way you remember his first I want to say something nice about Cooper. Uh, Before I I tell all the listeners to vote against him, he's a very nice gentleman. He really is. He's a pleasant gentleman. If you meet him, he's a very pleasant gentleman. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't need a pleasant gentleman representing me. I need someone who's going to get the job done. Yeah, go fight. Yeah, that's Dan Sullivan in Jonesboro. It's that simple. You know, I'll just mention another freedom thing. You know, we need to start thinking. We had a lot of scope of practice bills. We need to also start thinking about health care freedom. You know, who is the who is the lead in your health care team, Dave? Me. You. Most people think it's <laughs> their body. doctor. Yeah, it's your body. But the medical society and the medical lobby particularly has convinced us that the doctor makes all those choices. And the medical board of the state of Arkansas has the authority to tell me who I can go to. The lead of my health care team is the, oh, the lead of the health care team is the patient. So when we look at health care freedom. We look at educational freedom. We look at constitutional carry. All of those issues are freedom issues that are guaranteed in our Constitution. Did you ever hear, because I, I, I won't, I'm not going to name names. I never do that. People say, well, where did you hear that? And I said, it's for me to know and you to get them to say it to you. All right. Bottom line, I've heard Republicans say we can't make changes too fast. Oh my gosh! I've been saying it about guns every time. That's yeah, why we got that's what almost I'm saying. nothing done. We got to go. We got to go slow. You got to let people. Oh my gosh. I go. Aren't you listening to the people? They're way ahead of you, man. Yeah, you know, you know? The, that's very true of the highway bill that we passed, the tax increase. You know, we have averaged a hundred million dollars a year over what we budgeted in revenues for the past eight years. So in eight years, every year, we've had $100 million in revenue over what we budgeted. That could have gone a long way towards solving some of the highway problems that we had, but we didn't use that. Uh, 
Mayberry, Julie Mayberry had a bill. Uh, and just recently, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin came out and almost quoted her bill, saying there are other ways to fund highways besides the way we went about it, talking about using uh, taxes on car-related and auto-related issues. You know, if you think that the fairest tax is a consumer tax, the people that use it pay for it, that's what Representative Mayberry's bill did. If you use automobiles, that tax goes to the highways. But if we did that and we realigned that tax, we shifted that tax over here, we couldn't have created an emergency because people wouldn't have voted to raise their taxes for other general revenue things. So we have to create an emergency. We have to create a crisis. Everybody agrees we need better highways. Nobody disagrees with that. It's how we pay for them. And I think Representative Mayberry's bill was a great bill. Uh, And again, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Tim Griffin just came out and said almost the very same thing. Sure. And, of course, the pushback to her bill, anytime there's that discussion, is like, oh, well, that that money's dedicated to education. Let me tell you, Arkansas school districts are sitting on $2 billion. Right. $2 $2 billion Explain in, that, in the bank. Well, I started looking in uh, uh, three, four years ago. Uh, I just got tired of school districts telling us we need more money from the state. We need more money from the state. We were increasing it every year. And so I've, I asked the Bureau of Legislative Research, can you pull for me information that shows how much school districts hold in in net fund balance, money that is not allocated to f- salaries or whatever? And the figure two years ago was $1.6 billion. So I was able to pass legislation that placed a cap on how much school districts could uh, could maintain. Actually, uh, the net fund balance was $790 million. And school superintendents were saying, well, we need that um, uh, for um, for building buildings. And I went, wait a minute. Isn't there a separate fund? That is construction fund balance. Find out that was another eight hundred million. So between those two funds, one point six, we placed a cap on net fund balance of twenty percent of annual revenue. That you've got five years if you're over the twenty percent to spend down. And I agreed that one way you could spend down would be to transfer money over into the construction fund balance. And sure enough, about half of the fund balance was transferred. But you would think in a year and a half of spend down that you would see some decrease. That number's gone from $1.6 million, uh, million, billion, excuse me, to $2 billion. It's grown. So they have enough money. The money's there. It's just not being allocated correctly. And Representative Mayberry's proposal was right on. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you see there's a group that they feel like it is their vested right uh, to have that money. And uh, I've heard battles like that sometimes about reallocating uh, fines uh, mm-hmm. to a certain area. Reck- reckless driving should have been yeah. – uh, there was a, a discussion when I was a lobbyist of transferring um, reckless driving fines towards funding trauma centers. Well, the sheriffs and the judges got all up in arms. Oh, that's our money. No, it's not your money. Right. It's the people's money. Th- this is what the – Keep your thought. Okay. All right. Got to get a break. We'll be back sitting in the studio today from the House side. How did the uh, General Assembly do? 
Uh, we've got uh, State Representative Mark Lowry. We've got State Representative Dan Sullivan. We'll be back to talk with them more. You can already tell it's going to be an interesting hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you and in the studio again, State Representative Mark Lowry, State Representative Dan Sullivan, and, of course, Robert Steinbach, who I have between them. I don't expect them to break out into a fight anytime during the hour, but I always take, you know. What, what happens if I start the fight? I was going to say, yeah, we're more likely to be problem. Yeah. Mark, Mark, get along. You start yeah, punching get along. people now. I think We've already it. compared our answers on the report card, so Dan and I are going to be fine. All right, so, Dan, you tell me, in what area – do you think that the House failed uh, during the last session? Well, we raised taxes more than we cut taxes. And if our platform is to cut taxes or at least look for ways to cut taxes, we did not do that. I think you know if you look at just at the governor's package, his standalone package probably does cut the taxes. But when you add the other taxes that went along with that, the bottom line is at the end of the year, the taxpayers of Arkansas are going to be paying more taxes than um, than their reduced taxes. Correct. You know, as a matter of fact, we, they tried the Republicans tried to pass the earned income tax credit, and uh, my that opponent, still blows my mind. By the my, way, well, my John Cooper supported that, uh, and again, I hope the voters statewide will help me in that race to tell Republicans you can't vote that way and stay in office. But it's going to take a statewide uh, Dan, Dan, tell us about what that means, because, you know, it's a technical-sounding thing. It's a wealth transfer. Talk about it's, it. Well, it, it just, exactly. That's yeah. the way to say it. It's just a transfer of money. People that um, are people out there that pay income tax, um, it's people that don't pay at all. Yeah, get money back. You get a check from the government. It's a yeah. welfare check. Yeah. They call it an earned income tax There's a line it's a drawn check. arbitrarily. Right. If you're on this side of the line, you get money. If you're on the other side right. of the line, but just you're to be paying clear, money, most people, basically. Most people get, I don't know about most, many people get a check from the government at the end of the year after they file their taxes. That's getting a portion of your money your back. Money. Because, you know, the, when your company takes or your employer takes out of your check, they don't know exactly what your write-offs are. So sometimes you owe the, the government, sometimes the government owes you. And when you get that check back, it's because, guess what? You paid too much throughout the year. But the earned income tax credit has nothing to do with that. That's, hey, you didn't pay anything. Here's some more money back to you from someone else. And, you know, that is actually in the Democrat platform. Of course it is. And we had like Republicans this, proposing and supporting that. Right. So um, I, I forgot the question now, Dave, but wasn't that it? What, <laughs> but what Dan, was the biggest about, one? So that taxes was a huge one. Okay. Everybody no. hold your thought. Yeah. we got to get the news. That's then. a second. Hold my thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's hard to do. That head is always oh whirling. All right. News is next when we come back. All right, let's go back to uh, State uh, Representative Mark Lowry. Mark, I asked you the same question that I asked uh, uh, Dan. The the area that you were most, uh, you know, sorry to see that the, the legislature didn't really do a Republican job. Well, I, uh, I've mentioned, uh, one, the, the protection of memorials, uh, monuments, uh, you know, pushback was, oh, it, this we're not even close to this kind of issue happening in Arkansas. And what happened two weeks after the session, one week after the session dismisses, the the Jefferson County share, uh, judge is talking about moving a Confederate monument, what, which was not at all 
about Robert E. Lee or about, you know, it, it was uh, it, it was a dedication to uh, the death of Arkansans that that did fight uh, in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, that was and that's just one issue. But I, my concern also was something that was very big on the governor's uh, agenda, which was transformation. Yeah. If it's as big a deal as it's supposed to be, it should have been taken up in interim hearings. We shouldn't have been the first time we ever saw anything of a bill that ended up being 2,050 pages was in the in the legislative session. And as of January 15th, we, we didn't know who was going to be on the state agency's committee that was going to be taking up that bill. I think uh, that in some – I had one senator tell me, and the Senate was much more – uh, aggressive in actually finding errors in the bill where it had to be redrafted with amendments. And this one senator said to me, he said, I have no doubt, we've talked about it, that there's somebody over in the governor's office just laughing at the things we didn't catch. And uh, so, you know, the grade that I would give the legislature w- would have to be amended saying we don't really know uh, what the net effect of transformation can be. I would give it a high grade in terms of the ideal and the goal of it, but I think the implementation of it is going to end up bringing down whatever grade we give to this legislature. I, I disagree with the governor when he says that it, he thinks it was the greatest session of all time, the GOAT. It it was not. Yeah. There, there have been legislative sessions that have accomplished a lot JR more. JR said that just that today on my show. You know, I think maybe along with that transformation, one of the uh, bills that we're going to learn more about, uh, Representative Rick Beck passed a bill. I don't remember the number, but it's going to be a paradigm shift in budget. It's going to require agencies to come to the budgeting process telling us, telling legislators how I can cut my budget 1%. They've never done that before that I'm aware of. It's always, do I get, am I going to be flat or am I going to get a 1% or 2% raise? But Rick's bill requires the agency to come and tell us how they'll cut 1%. And hopefully we're just liable to say, okay, we'll cut you 1%. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Way to go. And Rick was very courageous in writing that bill and pushing it hard and got a lot of support in the House. You talk about bills that uh, what the House was a little more aggressive. That was a big bill, and people is flying under the radar right now. But you wait until the fiscal session comes up, and they go to those budget hearings, and an agency comes and says, here's how I would cut 1%. I would reduce two or three positions. I would not do these one or two things, and I can cut 1%. And hopefully the legislators will go, we agree, cut 1%. Now, the governor has has anticipated up to a 15% savings or 10% or some number, but uh, those are all hoped for. Uh, it's like, like you're hoping for a raise. Uh, this is a cut that has to be laid out um, through the budgeting process. So uh, I agree with Mark wholeheartedly in that, uh, but I think we've got an oppor- got some opportunities to really change the budgeting process. Yeah. The, the, the proof of whether transformation works or not is going to be uh, if you gain savings, it's going to come through attrition. 
of not replacing people in certain positions. When we start, and I, I uh, sit on the personnel subcommittee of uh, AL, the ALC, the Legislative Council, uh, when we start seeing these agencies asking to fill positions for someone's retired, that's where we need to do some real pushback and say we're either going to be serious about this of making government live within in its means or we're not. And uh, that's something that's going to be uh, – we're going to have to be vigilant on that over the next several years. And this is the biggest point and my biggest criticism of the legislature uh, this term. And as you know, I gave it a B minus, which is a good, not great, great. And that is too much tail wagging the dog. You guys are the boss. I and every other listener and, and citizen elected you to run this government, and you're the boss of the bureaucrats, and you got to keep them in check. And, and don't get me wrong. I like what you guys are doing. But the legislature has not kept the bureaucrats in check enough. And that's why I appreciate, Mark, what you and Charlie Collins did when you passed Campus Carry, and you said, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm hearing from some bureaucrats that they don't want guns on campus but they don't own the campus. They're my employee. I'm the legislator, and these uh, bureaucrats work for me, and I work for the citizens. And the citizens uh, are are pro-Second Amendment, and they think that the Second Amendment, oddly enough, applies on campuses like it does anywhere else. So I'm going to say, as the elected representative, what happens on campus? And that's what that mindset that you aptly have is what needs to continue throughout the legislature regarding all the departments. You come to me with a 1% cut, and I, as a legislator, will tell you whether or not I enact that cut because I'm the boss, and I work for the people. And in four years or two years or whatever the cycle is, they're going to tell me whether I continue to work for them. Amen. You know, I, I hate, don't want to be all negative on this. I think we, if you look at the issues of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life did f- fantastic. Yeah, Fair life. Much. We did a lot of great things on life. We did a lot of, of good things on liberty. You know, Representative yep. Smith and, and others who ran those bills. Um, we, we had a lot of great movement on there. And I was listening to the show before I got in talking about the broadband. Yeah. Uh, and the first thing I did was call some people who really know the facts. You talk about farmers, maybe this and maybe yeah. that. They do. Farmers in rural area now pull their t- big tractor in and download information. Uh, and I talked to the, the head of the department, ag department at ASU, and uh, with Farm Bureau folks. And they said, yeah, in, in urban farms, they do pretty good. But out in the rural areas, it's, it's uh, dramatically less. And this is an opportunity for us to get out ahead of the curve. And I think the same thing in education. I think the governor's done some really good things and led the way in some educational reform. Teacher salaries was a really good thing, um, you know, trying to restructure some of our educational systems. So I think we had some high points, too, and I want to give credit where credit is due to those who had the courage to bring those issues forward. Well, you you just hadn't let me get to the question, which was, what area do you think you did the best in? Yeah, well, there you go. In the last, in the Mark? last. We'll start <laughs> off with Mark on that one. Well, I, I think it's uh, the education policy. I think being able to put money in to, to raise the minimum teacher salary, I think that that's going to take us a, gr- a great bit of the way. Uh, I think specifically also in education of us really implementing 
the teaching of reading as science mm-hmm. uh, of, of that is that is a, a tectonic shift in the way that we have looked at reading comprehension and uh, you know in it looking at the the, the facts of uh, if, if a student is not reading at grade level by the third grade they're never going to catch up and so as we undergo, and this is one of the things that, that uh, is happening with the legislative, the interim uh, at least, but it came out of the uh, legislative session, is a fresh look at, um, at adequacy, foundation funding. Uh, part of that could be, and it's something I've been advocating for, and, and Senator Bond and I've talked about it, that if it's true that those students are never going to catch up in reading unless we get them to, at grade level, then we probably need to look at better funding uh, tied to lower class sizes in those early grades. Uh, if you've got a student being able to read at grade level, you can probably accommodate much better at the fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school, high school level, uh, a, a, a larger class size. So I think in education policy, I think we did make some uh, very positive steps forward, except for school choice. That, well, that know, was very you, you disappointing. You have to talk again about the Dave Ellswick free speech on college campus bill. You, you know, that was a leading uh, issue nationally. And shortly after we passed that bill, the president signed an executive order yep. uh, supporting the Dave Ellswick bill. And it was really uh, rewarding for the state of Arkansas to be a leader in that. And now we have several other bills that we're going to follow this up with about freedom, educational freedom. And that's why I think we need to talk about educational freedom, because it's not just about choice. It's about students being free. It's about faculty being free. It's about parents being free. Uh, And I hope we can change that concept for our people because it begins with the people electing officials who will stand up for freedom and liberty all across the board. And remember, when we don't have educational freedom, that means someone is making that decision for us. Who is it? Unelected bureaucrats. That's, That's the issue. Who do we want making those decisions? Individuals. Parents for your students. kids, yeah, he exactly. Should be you. you make your own decisions. Faculty make their own decisions. Students make their own decisions. Uh, uh, parents make their own decisions. We don't want to turn this over to under un, unelected bureaucrats, but that's the alternative. And so, then the Second Amendment is really a good example. You don't have to carry a gun. You don't have to carry it concealed. You don't have to carry it open. You don't have to carry it all. It's the freedom for you to choose what you want. Same thing in education, the same thing in health care. People have to realize that they're the ones that have the responsibility. And our founders actually said your duty to participate and to vote and get engaged. And that's what we need the citizens of Arkansas all over the state to do is come up and engage and vote. Well, the, the thing that I always say, and you all have heard me, and that is if you're not going to school board meetings, and if you're not showing up to see what's being taught to your child, then quit complaining about what we're getting. The the left is about the nanny state. Conservatives are about individual choice, and we need to stand up for that notion. Or to go away. Right, right. That's simple. It it will disappear as it has been You will lose it. You will look if you don't exercise the freedom of speech, you have no freedom of speech, by example. I could sit here during this rest of this hour 
and look at each one of you and say, tell me something that you could do when you were 18 years old that you can't do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that yeah. you can't do now. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Your kids don't even know mm-hmm. what it was that they don't get to do because they took it away. Yeah, yeah you know, we have multiple pieces of legislation, particularly in education, Mark, where we try to put um, the power back to the local school board. And, you know, I think the president, President Trump, just recently uh, went with Secretary Voss, and they're going to do all they can to get power out of Washington. And we at the state level need to do all that we can to get power back to the local school board. Unfortunately, people come to us, and they would rather solve the problem at the state level than mm-hmm. go to their local school board because it's too hard. Yeah, because you got to give some time. Yeah, and so they would come down to us. All you've got to get is 11 <laughs> votes, and you can pass it out of committee where they would have to run for the school board. Right. They would have to go uh, change who's on the school board. And we as legislators, in my opinion, unfortunately, all too often acquiesce to their pressure. Instead of saying, no, that's your problem. Go back and solve it quickly. Well, Dan, I, you know, I would agree. And you've heard me make that as a conservative. Uh, I believe in local control, but I have been very concerned uh, about what's going on in our school districts. I mean, there's a point where local control is not the best answer. 1957 was certainly one of those answers. If we totally left it up to to local control, uh, Eisenhower would not have had to send in the National Guard. Well, not, so I, we have yeah. to be the National Guard. And I think when you're talking about focusing on school boards rather than superintendents, I do agree with local control. But unfortunately, they're just taking at face value whatever that hired bureaucrat is telling them is the case right. with their budget or whatever, not really knowing that that school district's got plenty of money. The superintendent's mm-hmm. just not letting them in on the on the – the shifting the uh, uh, the game, the shell game that they're pulling on money. All right. We got to get a break in. Final break here on this segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We got more. All right. We're down to the last uh, few minutes of uh, this hour. I hope that uh, this has given you a little bit of insight into what's been kind of going on in, in the chambers and in the meeting rooms of these uh, these gentlemen and other legislators on the House side. Uh, so let's get down to a, a, a grade. What would you give it, Mark? I uh, I actually had an unofficial poll of some of my colleagues. Okay. Since you asked me, uh, it's certainly not scientific, but they agreed with me that I think it was a B. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how about you, Dan? Yeah, I think that's a fair grade. I think we did some good things, but there were some big issues that we didn't handle uh, in a platform way or in a conservative way. And I think that those big issues hurt in the grading many of the smaller good things that we really did. Do you think that there's a, a – it feels like it to me that there's several or a lot of Republicans now that – say, well, let's look at the planks when we're looking at bills. And does this reflect what the party stands for? And if it does, it does not. Does that mean that we got to rethink what we say we believe in? Well, I just hit the luncheon I was at today. I told uh, Doyle Webb, of course, I told everyone else that was there, too, that this was the first session where I had a constituent 
and I think it was on education policy or something where they pushed back and said, you know, why are you taking away uh, local control? That's against the Arkansas Republican Party's platform. Mm-hmm. So I told Doyle today, I said, we're going to have to revisit that language because I'm not a believer anymore, especially when it comes to fiscal issues uh, in total, absolute local control. Uh, we have to step in and sometimes be the adults. Yeah. And, and um, unfortunately, a lot of people have no idea what the platform says. I know. And they're not even on the Republican committee. You know, right. in schools, the educational bureaucracy is a good example. You know, particularly on the education committee, our committee members get a lot of pushback from um, not Republicans, but just people in their district who elect them. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't believe we – I think we can do a better job of our platform. You know, but Jefferson Thomas, you know him. Yeah. He said uh, – I, mean, I don't know him, but <laughs> I didn't have the uh, the ability to sit down and have dinner with him any time, but I've read enough about well, I've him. I've heard I you did, like I but know. all right. But, you know, he, he said when the people – and I'm not – I'm generalizing his quote, but he said when the people err, the responsibility of government is not to take their power away but to educate them. Mm-hmm. So we have to get out and grow our local communities, grow our local committees, uh, get out and educate the populace. And I think you're seeing a lot of that happening right now. And the Patriots of Act 746 is a really good example. Chris Ann Hall coming and educating people around the state. Uh, you have several groups that are grassroots that are helping to educate the folks. They're getting tired of electing people who don't come down here and then vote the way they said they'd vote. And rightly so. I mean, everybody should feel that way, no matter what party you belong to. You you elect people because you want them to stand for certain things. Well, and part and parcel of that uh, that I think has to be changed is this thing of legislators being able to just vote present. I would agree with or that. Or leave the room when a tough vote's coming up. I, I, I don't believe that the, your constituents sent you down here to sit on your hands. Well, when Mark, was, uh, Mark uh, Johnson. Johnson was here, I, I mentioned that in Indiana, one of the first things that they did when the Republicans got in control is that every vote was recorded. And you'd be surprised how that made a change. <laughs> that wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. You know, and, and if you'll allow me, I'd like to give a little plug for my election. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, but this is a statewide race, and although only the people in Craighead County can vote, we can use the support of everybody. It's going to I'm going to have to raise $150,000 to run this race. And, you know, anybody that can contribute, I'd appreciate it. They That's could. a lot cheaper than I thought you were going to say. Well, well, I hope Did we can get away more. with that. Yeah, he'll take more of a need. <laughs> we, we need, uh, right? You know, I've got a website, Sullivan for Arkansas. People can go to to get information on my Facebook page, Sullivan for Arkansas. But we truly need support of everybody in the straight state if we want to hold our legislators accountable for what they promise their constituents they will do. If you okay. want to stand your ground in Arkansas, you got to support Dan Sullivan. Yeah, I agree with that because we know that that, alternative. Would, that that bill would have moved out of would committee. Pa- it would have passed. All would right. Passed. If, uh, if, if, if Dan, Dan was had been senator. sitting there Absolutely. instead of John Cooper. Guys, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Appreciate we appreciate you, thank you coming in. State Representative Mark Lauer, State Representative Dan Sullivan, hopefully to be State uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. 
Dave Ellswick Show, a repeat of my time with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, in the first hour of the show, give you a chance to hear what he had to say. Then I'll be back with you tomorrow, 2 o'clock, fun Friday. Mark Smith in, talking about movies, big movie I'll talk about. First thing, John Wick 3, Parabellum. How many, what's the body count? I got to find, I'll try to keep count, okay? (laughs) Talk to you later, Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.